when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Stuff. Welcome back to the Different Knock Podcast, episode number 28, with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. Bradley Adams, who's got a brand spanking new microphone. Come on. I do. I do. We've been talking about it for a while. You'll hear Brad in Ultra HD, you lucky fuckers. The wonderful Alexander Moneypenny sent across some suggestions, and then my lovely mother planned on a buying it for me for Christmas, but instead gave it me early so that I could get a few more episodes in for you lovely, lovely people Aww. in this glorious HD. Thanks, Mrs. Adams. You're the best. Thanks, mother. <laughs> How are you, mate? How are you doing? Joe, you know I'm feeling good. I I, th- I was really excited by that game. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. And I feel like it's setting me up for the disaster of what's going to be a 4-2 <laughs> loss in the North London derby. But Yeah, it's the it's the perfect oh. um, setup for what's going to happen, which will be, as you say, we'll go two goals up, I reckon pretty quickly in the North London derby. Yeah. Uh, Kane, hat-trick of penalties. Um, Staffy <laughs> will get sent off, pulling Son back, and he'll score oh, the fourth penalty, Christ run towards almighty. the three fans there and just, just flip them off or something. Um, no, mate, I, I, I'm very, I was very excited by that. I think, yeah. you know, obviously the Europa League being sort of the, pre- the premier competition in, 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 in the world, um, it's, ju- it's just so exciting to see us, you know, really, really, really flourishing against such a well-constructed team like Rapid Absolutely. Vienna, who were, you know, really at us. Um, I think they, they took the game to us. Um, they weren't letting a 17-year-old take free kicks and do whatever he wanted. <laughs> It was, uh, it was, oh. it was, uh, it was good. Um, yes. Yeah. So it, anyway, it, it felt good to kind of feel like we were throwing caution to the wind almost, and trying things again. And you know, our, our a mutual friend of ours, Adam, sent you a text about a stat that uh, I would love. Let's say, uh, keep it PG for the audience. And um, he said, yeah. "Come in Brad's pants." Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, and it was the fact that Reese Nelson created five chances or put up five key passes in the first half, which uh, actually we haven't had a player do in a full 90 minutes since November 2019 with Meza Ozil putting up six, wow. I think. I didn't know that's that. So that's the first time since November 2019 we've had a player put up five key passes in a full 90 and he did it in 45 minutes and look I know it's against a certain type of opposition we've had those conversations before but the fact that we were actually trying these things really really made me feel positive about the kind of the whole situation going on at the moment I was a bit annoyed that um Miguel Aziz didn't come on and I'm a bit annoyed that um that we didn't get uh a bit more time for Balogun or Smith Rowe because you're thinking when we're 4-1 up, it may have been time to bring them on for 20 minutes rather than 8 minutes, but overall can't really complain. What, yes. what, what, what about you? Feeling good? Should we chat about the lineup? Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's sort of work through it chronologically. I mean, yeah, I mean, overall, let's just say, I mean, I'm looking at the who scored thing here. I think the biggest difference for me is we've got left side in terms of our shot direction. Uh, middle 82%. 
the main thing for me was the speed of this game. I think when we get into the analysis of the actual game, like the the main the main change was that we were playing two touch and we were just getting getting the ball moving quicker. We were getting through our work quicker, and um, I was having having a, a debate with my um, with my housemate about this. Um, just about or, or, or sort of and I can't remember I might have said this on the last podcast but if you watch a player in a, in another league often they look so much better mm. it's difficult to necessarily tell how they'll adapt to the English English game because they mm-hmm. have so much more space and it's nice to see as in, in a kind of European game with a bit of space um, I still don't think we were the most effective but because we had a bit more time we had a bit more um, opportunity to express ourselves. I think tr- yeah. players were trying things a bit more. I think a, a, a sort of a, a Europa League team wants to be impressing. So players were trying things, were moving the ball quicker. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the game slightly slowed down when Sabahis and Willian came on, though I thought Willian did quite well and Sabahis did very well and try- was trying things, but the game itself slowed down. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just about moving the ball quicker. I think the, the biggest thing for me is you, you, I'd love to know the stats on it and then hopefully there'll be something flying around or I can find out about how long every single player holds on to the players ball. Players took on the ball. Um, yeah, because it, it did feel like we, we there was there was more of a sense of urgency tonight, which yeah. is strange because it, it was it's it's almost like it's strange because it was a game where we'd already qualified. Like we're, we were already through. We could have lost this game. And we were still through. So yeah, it felt strange that this game, we, we seem to come into it with a real sense of urgency, but I think that that was kind of down to the players taking charge. But I think it's players who've got things to prove. Yeah. But they've got things to prove, you know, and, and also we can't, uh, it, was in, it was it's crazy, the impact of only 2,000 fans, um, you know, mm. so so wild that that seemed to have such an impact or certainly from, from the kind of TV perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, the players obviously appreciated it and, you know, were clapping them before and after the game. And, you know, just having that bit of extra energy, you know, as much as it's only 2,000 out of 60,000, 2,000 people in a place give it gives it a different energy. Yeah. It doesn't matter who, who, you know, even 500 people gives it a different energy. You know, when you're getting into those hundreds and thousands of people, it's not as much as it's negligible in comparison to normal. It's not a negligible amount when you're in the stadium mm-hmm. um, and you could hear them. And I think that might have spurred people on. They're, they're a team willing to prove things. But yeah, listen, you, you know, overall, really happy with it. As always, the usual kind of, um, uh, what are the words, um, usual kind of gripes about the fact that, yes, it, okay, it's just the Europa League, all that mm. sort of stuff. But this is the, 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 this, this is the competition we're doing the best in. And I, and I don't mm-hmm. think... Um, the I don't think that's a coincidence, given that the teams give us just more time and more space to to yeah. to show our quality because we do have quality. I just think the main problem is we are taking so long um, in the Premier League to move the ball and to get up the pitch, and players are scared and not trying things. But let's not let's not worry about the Premier League until yeah, we'll, until we'll, we'll, we'll do later. that after after the North yeah. London derby. So we had. Um, we had Runison, uh, Cedric came in and completely changed side from the uh, from the Wolves game. Maitland-Niles was tucking in. Mm-hmm. Lacazette was sort of playing a kind of um, central attacking midfield role. I mean, in 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 spurts, he was kind of in the centre of a midfield three with with uh, Maitland-Niles and Elneny, and actually the the average position kind of backs that up. Mm-hmm. Um, the he was kind of sitting, sort of Elneny was kind of dropping back into the to, to, to support the centre backs in the build up and Lacazette was basically in central midfield. Um and that's obviously where the goal came from from. I thought I thought Lacazette was was sharp. I thought he he played um 
he played well, especially in that sort of first opening twenty minutes. He's obviously got a point to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said in the in the in the uh, game art in the um, post match afterwards that he was you know he's had a difficult couple of weeks. Um, like you, I, I I would have liked to see maybe a Smith Rowe start. Um, I would have liked to have seen maybe a Balogun start. But I understand in a you know post what feels like a a bit of a landmark loss. Um, I think Arteta, I understand why he's chosen that side mm-hmm. um, just because we want to get off to a good start. And we want to be of course, of course um, you do. good. And obviously it's it's uh, great to see Mari and Chambers back. Yeah, um, Mari obviously grabbing a goal. I thought he was, I'm, I'm, one thing I'm, I'm aware of is as a fan of a, of a club, you know, when a player scores, often it can either hide the frailties of a bad performance or it can boost your opinion of a, a mediocre one i thought he was okay i didn't he had think... a few shaky moments yeah there were a few there were a few moments that weren't particularly great but what we've got to remember is he's coming off a serious injury he mm. hasn't played football since what the first game of the restart yeah so the city game yeah the city game so a while ago and you're thinking you know he's starting tonight as well he he's going to feel the pressure just kind of inside himself. Hmm. So I th- I was I was kind of I don't think pleased is the right word. I was content maybe <laughs> with his performance. Like it yeah. was it I was I wasn't expecting anything else. And the fact that he got a goal I think will massively boost his confidence in kind of getting him back to the player that he maybe can be in a, a new player that we haven't really seen a lot of. Um, Chambers I love. I think um I think he offers us so much versatility and to have him back in the side is great as kind of well, we've got like nine right backs, but covering at right back was Fulham's player of the year at DM, can also play centre back. I think he offers us quite a lot and I kind of would now just prefer if Mustafi faded into the obscurity of life and did not exist at Arsenal Football Club anymore and we just gave all the minutes to Chambers I can't believe he captained us I can't I will insert I will insert here the voice note that I sent to Brad when (laughs) mid-game he's the captain of my club I'm I'm out I'm out of I'm fucking out I'm done that's it no I'm no absolutely not I feel like I feel like Sam Thompson in that clip of fucking Made in Chelsea that my girlfriend has shown me about a thousand times, where he's like, I can't do it. I can't believe that he actually that is... fucking captained the club. Why? That is... How? I hope, I hope oh, we look back Mikel. in two or three years down the Arteta project and look back as that as a symptom of where we were. Um, yeah, Shkodran Mustafi captaining my club. I- I wow. know. Apparently, though, if Barca can't get Eric Garcia in January, they're considering moving for Mustafi. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! How is the, how um, does this man play professional football? I don't, I don't know. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, I agree. I agree on Mari. I also think, um, uh, in terms of Chambers, like I, I think he's a real Arteta player. Um, Arteta talks about zones a lot mm. and talks about what what people can offer in certain on certain phases of play. I think um, on that on that right side of a three as a covering right back uh, in a perhaps a less high intensity game, um, I'd like to see Chambers come in on the on the right side of a of a four in a mm-hmm. in a, a RCB slot. I think Chambers offers as a lot, and actually I, I get the vibe that Arteta is a big fan of him. 
Um, so I think we'll see a lot of him moving forward. As for Marie, he's good cover for Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit shaky. Um, lost the ball a few times. He slipped over once. Um, you know, it's going to happen. He's coming off a, off a big injury in front of in front of fans for the first time in a yeah. long time. And you know, it's 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 one of those things. But I I I have long said that Mari isn't the. I think some people are like, why the fuck did we sign Pablo Mari? I get that. But I think if you watch him play both for Flamengo and the games he has, admittedly the few games he's played for us, he's looked okay, you know, mm-hmm. in the same way that that Chambers is okay. You know, I, I don't think they're long-term this options. This is the but... thing as well. You need a squad. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, you need a squad of players. And I think we... Maybe when we signed him to perm- to a permanent deal, we were hoping to get more out of the door during the summer mm. and kind of, you know, because we were looking to strike a deal with Napoli, I think, for Socrates yeah. for about five million euros or something. And I think maybe that was that was kind of the case. Yeah. And if we didn't have, again, nine centre backs on our books, it wouldn't be a conversation of how for bad sure. a signing it was because it, I think it cost us for the, the permanent fee apparently now has come out of being four million euros or pounds. I don't know, but it seems to be a lot cheaper than was first reported. But you you just need a squad of players. Like I think for a Premier League season, you probably need around five centre backs, four senior and a, and a youth prospect. And if you think we're losing quite a few in the summer, it it makes sense. For sure. And and as you say, like in the context of, say, for example, we've got Mustafi, Kalasanac and Socrates out the door. I appreciate two of those are right-sided centre-backs, but, you know, the it's not a crazy deal. To, it's not a centre-back at a, a exactly. RCB. It's, you know what it's I mean? Not a, I mean, he is quite left-footed in fairness, but... Yeah, listen, yeah. it's it's not a crazy deal to do, especially as Arteta knows him. I, I think there's a lot of hate for him and, and the Cedric deal. And I actually think they're more kind of indicative of the frustration around Arsenal, frankly, um, yeah. than, than anything. Rather than the... They're not, they're not honest appraisals. Yeah. They're, they're not, not honest appraisals not of, the, of the deals. Or... But it's exactly what you just said. You know, it's... We need a squad. <laughs> we need players. And Arteta immediately... Noticed that we were missing probably a a a a pure backup right back, and that we were missing someone in the left sided centre back role, and, and and he brought in Mari and and then subsequently Gabriel when that deal could be done. Listen, and he and he needs left footed centre backs, so it just makes sense to me. Um, I, yeah, I've I've never quite understood that. Anyway, moving forward into the game, then, um, I thought we were we were decent in the early passages. I think as 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 we both said, you know. It was just moving the ball quicker. It's so simple. We were just playing two touch. Um, if you, I was, I was basically watching, and I sort of clocked on about twenty minutes in. That, and I don't know. I'm not just going to sit here and pretend I know that our testers told them to play two touch. But it was, it was very few times I saw anyone take more than two touches or, or maximum three. Everyone was moving the ball quickly, and I think there's a, there's a, um, almost a, uh, a misconception that that moving the ball quickly can only uh, work or is only something that comes when you're in the sort of opponent's final third. Actually, the build-up play needs to move quickly because that's when you draw people. That's when you get people. You you break the first line of the press. You don't allow them to sit back into a low yeah. block. And and you know we have to move the ball quickly at whatever stage we're at. That's the thing. So it was it was encouraging to see that, and I thought we did pretty well. There's some nice sort of um, crossfield balls to Pepe, um, and Lacazette's goal was just pure quality. It was just pure quality, and and. It goes to show that, you know, I 
I know we've sat here many times on this podcast and, and dug out Lacazette. I don't think he's the right person to take us forward. I think he needs to go this summer. No. Um, but, you know, for someone... For... But, to a, but I think it's, it's yeah, to a Roma. Like, like if he'd have yeah. moved in the summer to a Roma, I think that's more his level. That's going to be... The league is going to be more his level. For sure. And I think, and though he can produce... And he's done it before. A few moments of absolute quality with these absolute thunderstrikes. Um, you know, the one against Tottenham Hotspur back end of last season, North London derby, puts us 1-0 up before Kalazanak decides to have an aneurysm and basically pass on in. Um, you know, another brilliant strike. And we've said it before, he is probably a better striker of the ball than most players at the club when yeah. it comes to kind of final third shooting. But he just, I think his pace has dropped off. He's not physical enough. And while I think, do you know what? He seems like a really nice guy. But he, unfortunately, it's what it's like what Jose Mourinho says. Like, it doesn't matter if you're nice, if you're fucking shit. <laughs> direct quote, you know Jose I mean? Mourinho. Sometimes, and he, well, no, no, but yeah, d- direct quote. But he's in like, what, what was it? I, I, I'm not going to watch a Spurs documentary because why the fuck would I? Yeah, but, yeah. He he tells them that they they should be yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, that that's fair enough. They do have a point, but also like, so you can be, the, but just don't be shit. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. As, as long as you're performing on the pitch, it's that's 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 literally all that matters. It really doesn't yeah, make a difference. Yeah, of course. Um, and yeah, yeah I, I think as I, you know, we, we've sat here many times on this podcast and dog him out. He's not the right player for us, as I said, but. You know, decent. He, he's a great striker of the ball, and he's just not right for the modern game. No. He's, he's he's too sm- he's too small, but not quick enough to be that kind of mm-hmm. player. And he's not big enough and strong enough to be that kind of player. He's a bit of an everyman, and he's just. I think he's also a massive confidence based player, and we can't have that. No. We need someone who's young and hungry, and someone who's going to chase down every ball and and be the all round centre forward that yeah. that Arteta needs. And and that's just not like a set, but but fair play to him, and he he got there in the end. Um, I thought we were doing really well. Um, Mari got a nice header in uh, on the on the corner, mm-hmm. unmarked really. I mean, Rapid Vienna were not great. There's one player of theirs who um, did stick out, and it was the guy who went off with the stomach problem, uh, Demir. He's 17, and he was playing some really nice progressive balls. Um, bullied the senior players off the free kicks and the corners and stuff. Um, and he seems like a bit of a player, so some, someone to look at, certainly. Mm. Um, but apart from that, I thought there was nothing really from Rapid Vienna. And end of the first half, um, Nketiah gets his goal. Really well taken. Very Nketiah goal. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's sort of a classic. Um, Nketiah's a funny one, man. Toe poke I, in from like three yards out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think we really play to his strengths, particularly. Um, but we're moving towards that. I mean, I know um, there's been an interview during the week, which I'd love to sort of have a chat about now, um, where Arteta gave uh, an interview, I think it was in Spanish, and he talks about trying to get more crosses in. Oh, no, no, this was in his press conference, sorry. He talked about um, trying to get more crosses in, and, and you know, he said basically, we're putting in the most amount of crosses we'd ever done in the Premier League in that Wolves game. And if you do that, I promise you we'll get chances. And while I'm a bit like... It's a bit Sam Allardyce. Do I want my team? I don't want my team to be Cross FC. He's not wrong. I numbers he... numbers bear out that that crosses do do create chances, and with the players he has at the moment, That's I understand be, why he's yeah. doing that. And I wonder whether Enketia plays a bigger role than that because he can mm. hoover up those chances. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think 
on that basis as well, it, it depends on what we're kind of classifying as crosses. Uh, like, is a cutback a cross? Is mm. there's a few. I think when people hear the word like crossing or crosses, they think Peter Crouch in the box and like Aaron Lennon smacking the ball like 60 yeah. feet up in the air for somebody to try and nod down kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Get on it. Whereas I think maybe we're talking about a more, again, a more nuanced thing where it's, it's about getting the ball into the box and whether... Whether at the moment we don't have a player to thread a ball through the middle, so we're gonna be putting and most of our talent, most of our creative talent is on the wing. You think Pepe, Willian, Nelson, Saka, even Abamyang's been out on that left for so long. You think we've been playing most mm. of our creative ability and talent out on that wing. It's it's no wonder that we're currently so reliant on on the crossing game because. One, we left out our number 10 out of mm. the squad. And um, two, we don't, the, the only other one we have is Emil Smith-Rowe, who, again, do you play over certain other players when he's not quite had the game time to get into the groove of things? This is why I think the Europa League's perfect for him. And I think mm. he should start Europa League games from now on. But maybe that's why we'll see um, Lacazette in that 10 role. In, in in kind of coming Premier League games so that we can have kind of uh, Saka and Pepe or Saka and Willian or Willian and Pepe yeah. out on those wings, whipping balls in. But I think, because I think we saw that as well with, with Pepe being played almost out of position on that left-hand side. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a case to be made. I mean, and, and you look at the way we were actually set up tonight with our average positions, Pepe and uh, Nelson were way further forward than Lacazette and mm-hmm. and... It's it's difficult because I don't think there should ever be one tactic that we rely on. Otherwise, teams will just work us out. But it's not a bad thing to have those uh, kind of different ways of playing. Whether it's Lacazette in behind, I mean, ultimately, what happens is we are missing a central player in personnel. You know, whatever system we play, whether it's the three four three, whether it's the um, a four-two-three-one, whether it's a four-three-three, we're missing that central player who can be in those spaces, and that's why it's so encouraging in the Europa League to see us mm-hmm. attacking in those central areas and and being create because that's where you can hurt teams. Teams can keep you out in the yeah. wing, and you can pass it back and play it in a U shape, but you can hurt teams in the middle. It's just you're right. We haven't got that player who can thread a pass, who can play the final ball. Lacazette can kind of do it, and in a Europa League get in in, in a Europa League game, that's exactly. what that's what he can do. He can do that well. And there was some nice balls from Ceballos. But in the Premier League, i come back to it again. It's the space and the speed of the ball. Someone like an Awa, and I hate to say it, someone like an Ozil can provide that final ball from just outside the D. Can, of course. Can be, and it's, it's a, it's, I know it's um, a little bit simplistic um, to say, uh, you know, or just have, have a number 10 there and, and play people in through balls. It's not quite how it works. But you need to have that option in a system to have someone who is picking up like those spaces. And we saw, yeah, you, you know, need to have somebody who can play that. We've we've all seen that graphic of of Aubameyang isolated uh, in the Wolves game and the kind of the, the kind of pass networks. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not if we if we're over reliant on the wings, especially because Pepe's getting better, but Nelson and Willian, Nelson's delivery man is not great, and and Willian's is okay, and Pepe's is all right. 
probably Tierney is our best deliverer and Bellerin's not great. So, you know, it's not as if we've got like three or four fantastic deliverers of the ball. Mm -hmm. We have to have a lot of different options. And at the moment, Europa League gives us, um, I guess, the the fallow ground to, to have those options because those players are more suitable, have more space. Of course. But, but in, the, in the Premier League, we need someone in those central areas, as we've always said, because mm -hmm. we need those options and we need to move the ball quicker. But yeah, it's... um. It's interesting. I thought I thought Tavares played some decent balls actually tonight, but again, yeah, he yeah. just doesn't do it enough. So it's you know. This is the thing as well. I think when I, I don't because I know we've had the Meza Ozil chat a thousand times on all of this, and I I just want to like say I don't think it needs to be almost that mercurial talent type player that all they do is sit there and th like it could be we don't know it could be um a Hussein Awa who plays more of kind of an eight ten role that. If we're going for a three-man midfield and we have all... Th it's just somebody in those spaces who can also pick a pass. Because I think the issue is, is Ceballos doesn't tend to pick up those spaces, but also isn't a particularly fantastic passer of the ball. And you do just need somebody who will drift into that space and can just put a simple ball through. And it, it doesn't have to be somebody who glances it with the outside of the foot and puts the perfect backspin on it so that you know the touch of a feather could put it in the net it, it just has to get there and I think at the moment we're lacking somebody who can get it there and like you say our best crosser of the ball is our left back and that's not particularly good when we're currently so reliant on crossing you know I think Pepe's delivery is okay but it Again, it depends where you're playing him. If you're playing him on the right, he's got to cut back onto that left. And if you're playing him on the left, you lose a lot of what you get when he can cut inside. Because there was a few moments when there was a moment when he was dribbling on that kind of inside left channel and uh, then cut in and went to cut in onto his right foot and just didn't do it particularly well. And I think one of the, I think there were the goalkeeper came in and the centre-back came in and ended up going out for a corner or something. And you just think like, if that was on his dominant side where he is used to cutting in and he is used to performing these actions, it might, you might see a different result. So it's almost like you're between a, a rock and a hard place between what do you want? Do you want the in-swinging delivery or do you want his ability to cut in and bend the ball in to finish? So I think, you know, we're missing... We've missed Saka in that we haven't, you know, we we didn't really want to risk him for the Wolves game because of the amount of minutes he got for England. And maybe we'll see, you know, I'd love to see Saka and Nelson um, on the left and then the right if we're going to go with kind of in-swinging balls, perfectly left-footed and a perfectly mm. right-footed player, and then using Pepe for different reasons and maybe using Willian at Cam, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's going to be interesting going forward because especially after his comments about wanting to move to a 4-3-3, but not feeling he's able to or has the players to almost. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to come on to that because I think this all, this all comes around. Um, the Europa League is a very big beast, a very different beast from the Premier League. And you have mm -hmm. the spaces and you have the time and therefore we can try different modes of attack. In the light of the Arteta comments, um, in the week, the so in it, I think he did a Spanish interview where he essentially said, "We want to play a four-three-three, uh, but I only have five or six players who I believe can play the positions." Which is wow. I mean, uh, uh, a big statement to make from a manager. 
um, a, a very confident statement to make because that person he is saying essentially most of these players aren't good enough and i think we all agree which is you know a a, a key point um but the you know that's a very very confident statement a big statement to make and and something that we'll get back to the players and you know if we if we're hearing about it i'm sure the players have heard about it and it's a it's a big thing but but separately from that i think let's take a game it's difficult to talk about these things in general terms so let's take a game like spurs right we know how they're going to set up. They're probably going to set up with four at the back, big dominant um, central uh, centre-backs and, a, and a quite a big, strong um, set of players in the back, probably play with Doherty. They've got Hjoiberg and um, potentially Sissoko and Dombele who will be shutting down those central spaces. They have, they play with two screening mm-hmm. players, right? So that's that's fine, okay? The problem with that is, I mean, it sort of plays into our strengths in a sense of going, okay, well, we don't even have anyone who they're going to be shutting the spaces down of. So have fun. Um, so they might not play that. But what I'm saying is, is, and I really feel for Arteta, because if you only have five or six pieces of the puzzle, it's different, say, if you have eight or nine pieces of the puzzle, or even nine or ten, because you may just lack that sort of killer instinct, that final thing that pushes you over the edge to the, to a to a top four finish or a, or a title a title challenge. But if you if you if you only believe as a manager you have five or six pieces of the puzzle you're restricted. I, in my personal opinion, I think he thinks those are um, Tierney. I think he thinks, and this isn't what I think, but I think this is what he thinks. I think he thinks those are Tierney, Party, Gabriel, Abamyang, uh, and Saka, and then maybe he probably puts Leno in sort of a half, maybe five and a half. If you only have those, you're not. You, there's only so many options and ways of playing that are available to you and ways of coaching. So I understand why he's saying, let's get just get mm-hmm. the ball in the box 30 times a game yeah. and just see what happens. And I understand it is a bit Sam Allardyce, but you sort of feel for him and you go, fucking hell, like how... If you believe as a manager, and this is not my analysis, this is what Arteta has said. Mm-hmm. If you believe as a manager, you have five players who can carry out what you're trying to do properly, you must feel limited. You must feel as though you as though you can't play that that system. So so going back to the Spurs thing, or play a system where you have enough options, taking it central, taking it wide, cutbacks, mm-hmm. interplay, um, build up, whatever it is, however you're trying to play. Taking it back to the Spurs game though, and this is why I think we'll, this is a slightly separate conversation, um, but I, this is why I think we'll set up and allow them to, um, to come onto us a little bit and probably rely on the counter slightly. Um, it's a, it's going to be a really fascinating tactical battle because I'm sure sure Jose will know that we're probably going to sit back in a three and defend deep um, and allow, allow them to come onto us because we won't get those spaces and he knows we don't have the players to unlock mm-hmm. his defense so we can't particularly go at them um, and I think we're going to be really frustrated. No, it would be pointless. Yeah, so it's it's I you know to kind of cut a long story short, I think the Europa League really gives us an opportunity to go okay in with more space with more. Um, with more options of attack, with more modes of attack. You saw it. We were going central. We were going wide. We were getting beyond. We were playing. It was interplay. Mm-hmm. There was some balls over the top. We were trying different things, different options that we had available mm-hmm. to us because our players are good. They're just not at the quality that Premier League is. So it's it's fascinating to watch that. And we all go, oh my God, I love the Europa. But then we go, oh fuck, I just wish we had those players that could do that in the Premier League with, with less mm-hmm. space, less time and more pressure. I do think as well it's important to understand. I don't... So, I think my personal opinion on what um, Mikel meant by his comments was that he has five or six players that are ready to play that. 
because, I mean, we bought three players in in the summer. So he obviously thinks that those three players can play that that role and that formation. So I think it might be more a sense of, because at the end of the day, you think about players like Saka, Martinelli, Nelson, Maitland-Niles even, who I think is a conversation we need to have because where is he going to play in future? Um, and all of We've those... Got a question about that later. All of those kind of youngsters. And you think... A lot of these, a lot of these people, like you said in, uh, in the podcast after Wolves, that we're relying on kids, and I think that yeah, we are absolutely one hundred percent relying on kids. But and they are professional footballers, so they obviously understand football and understand tactics and whatever. But they might not be used to playing in a four three three in a certain way, so they need to get ready to. So like Nelson might not be ready to adopt that right winger role in a four three three. But he might be okay adopting that right midfielder role in a four-two-three-one. So, I think one one thing that we also have to remember having a, a foreign manager is is um, Mikel is a very intelligent man and speaks. I think what what did he say? He spoke like eight languages, six or seven or something or like something. that. Yeah. But um, things will always get lost in in translation. Like we we had a we had a conversation before about how um like the, to listen to football um with Arabic commentators and how like they speak completely differently and sometimes I think yeah. language obviously does not it's not a direct translation so we're having to rely on the translation of others that might not be a hundred percent correct and then the idea that he's putting across might not be able to yeah, be a hundred percent correct because maybe he's used a different word that puts a different meaning or whatever so I think that. While we can read into it that he wants to play a 4-3-3, I don't think that he believes that there's only five or six players in this club that can play a 4-3-3. I just think that he knows that mm. there's five or six players in the club that can play a 4-3-3 right now. So what's the point of playing a 4-3-3? Mm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. And, and I... <sighs> I'd love to know, I think is the yeah. point, you know, and, uh, you know, we can sit here and, and kind of dissect, guess all yeah, we want, and... but yeah, but we don't know what Arteta thinks of the players. Um, I think he, <laughs> I was thinking this the other day about like, imagine being like Zidane, like watching your players play. It must be so frustrating. <laughs> so you're like, guys, come on. Like, you know, and, and I don't think Arteta, obviously Arteta wasn't quite on on that level, but you know, he must be watching some games of Xhaka and some games of Ceballos and, and going, for fuck's sake. And I, I wonder, as a manager, he must think, you know, what can I do with, 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 with these players and how can I possibly, uh, you know, I'm not, he's, we're not Burnley, but equally, I think we have a mid-table squad. And at the moment, certainly, I think we have some top-level players. Oh, oh. I think we, I think... I don't know if I. Agree I think with that. we have a mid-table squad, mate. I, I, I really do. I, th- I think we've got a, I think we've got a poorly put together squad. But that's what I that think is. It's unbalanced. Um, but I don't think it's. If you look at what, what do you, what other clubs do you consider mid-table? And if you, we're performing like a mid-table squad. Yeah. But we, we don't have. If you think of players like Abamyang, Pepe, Willian, Lacazette, even though Lacazette's having a shocker, he's not the quality of a mid-table club 
even though I think that that also comes from a deluded point of view that we're still in 2012 and mid-table clubs were actually mid-table clubs. Yeah, this because is nowadays, I mean. fucking anyone can challenge for eighth. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's really difficult to have that conversation, yeah. but I don't think... I think we've got far too much quality in there to, to call it a mid Like, we've got um, a two-time Golden Boot winner up front. We've got um, a nominee for Young Player of the Year last season in Saka. We've got uh, a youngster in Martin. Like, we've... I know, I know we're talking about youngsters, but we've also got the most decorated German footballer of all time who's um, been the top assister in a league season in Germany, Spain and England and got 16 assists by December in 2016. So we, we, we whether we're using him or not, we don't have a mid-table squad. I don't think that's fair to say. I disagree. I think that gives the squad the out. Like they're massively underperforming. And it's, yeah. I, I think it's... It's not because of their quality. They're performing like a mid-table squad. But if you've got the right pieces in there, at least to some part, to be... You think of the players. Thomas Partey walks into pretty much any midfield in the Premier League. Aubameyang, on form. Well, we're going to have to say on form because he's playing like shite at the moment. But again, it's to do with delivery and service and system. Um, At his best, would walk into pretty much any a- attacking trio in the league, in my opinion. Um, Saka... Any club in the Premier League would bite your arm off for him. And Liverpool were trying to sign him before we'd signed him down mm-hmm. to a new deal. There was rumours that, you know, Liverpool were in for him back then. You think, like, we've got quality, quality, quality players I'd, in some aspects, or they've at least been quality. They're just not performing like it at I the moment. I do hear that argument, and I don't want to be one of those guys who just asserts something and then just defends it. And I've just thought, do I really <laughs> think that? And I think what I need to clarify... When I say a mid-table squad, I mean like 8 to 10. Do you know what I mean? As in, I'm not saying they're like a 12 to 14. Yeah. I think the problem and the reason I, I, the reason I say we're a mid-table squad is not because we have an entire team of mid-table players, right? So like a, a club like, let's say... A club like, let's say... Oh, that's difficult, isn't it? In this, in this league... A club like, who's been like really averagely mid mid table, probably a team like Burnley or Crystal Palace, right? They have they have like one or two fantastic players in a Zaha, yeah, uh, or or and I can't name any Burnley players; they're all the same. Um, but they have like, Tarkovsky, Tarkovsky, who are really top top class players, and then a team of decent players, right? Mm-hmm. What I think we have is a really unbalanced squad. Yeah. So what I'm saying is our best players are better than their best players, but I think our let's say squad balance is our squad balance no is so near. off which makes us a mid-table squad. The thing is a, a squad when I say a mid-table squad I I don't necessarily mean by personnel. I think man for man okay. I think um man for man I'd say yeah like we're we're, we should be top four top five like in terms of like actual if we take player for player comparing across the things but in terms of the actual balance of the squad what we have in the squad the players that we have um Mm -hmm. and the the different options that we have which I was just talking before the squad balance is so off that it makes us a mid-table team because we can't we can't deliver the the right things on the pitch really like we, we can't we have like we have like forty seven centre backs. We have a, <laughs> a you know a load of. Uh, we have no creativity in in the central midfield. We've gone from every cam in the world to no one. Um, 
And we've got a load of really young players who we're relying on and mm-hmm. do look talented, but aren't at that level yet. No. So we're and we've we're not we we've missed out almost a whole age bracket of sort of twenty to twenty four year old players. We only have a few in that sort of bracket. So mm-hmm. you know, it. I'm not. I'm not saying that we're a, we should be a mid table team because we're. I don't think Arsenal are. But I think in in terms of the man for man. But in terms of a squad balance, we are a mid-table squad. I think that's what I mean. Um, but yeah, perhaps that wasn't fair clear. enough. I no, no, remember, no. I really, exactly what I, I but I, I the, really agree with that. Yeah. The anyway, let's 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 finish on the game then. I, th- I thought Enketia's, um goal was really well taken. As I said, really classic Enketia goal. Great to see Smith Rowe getting a, a goal in the second half. Um, I, I would have liked to see Aziz come on. That was only my real real yeah. thought. I thought we did okay with some nice chances. I thought Pepe was really bright. He's obviously got something to prove. Um, yeah, I th- I think it, it, you know it's it was a win that we deserved, and we played really well, and we moved the ball quickly, and we were excellent. But as I said, as I've said throughout this podcast, it's the Europa League. You've got more space, you've got more time, you've got more width and depth mm-hmm. and quality players, and ultimately that shows out. Um, I don't think it's a particularly good litmus test of of what we where we are. Um, I think where we are is that Wolves game, um, which is a, a, a scary place to be. And I think it's easy to defend a team now and go, oh, you know, well, you know, let's see what happens on Sunday. Remember how we felt after that Wolves game. So, um, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic or just sort of um, what's the word. Um, controversial for for the sake of it but I I do think we're in a really 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 strange position I think we're massively unbalanced I think we're um we but equally with with some really smart acquisitions I think we're a window or two away from being okay I I believe in the Arteta project yeah I believe in what he's doing I believe that there's been so much turbulence at Arsenal recently um, that has left us in this position, but think you know the um, as as you as, as you've discussed before, the amount of squad turnover that we're going to see in the next couple of years is sensational. And something I wanted to say to kind of wrap up this discussion around the game was, um, I listened to a, a podcast today um, by David Ornstein where he said that, and listen, you might shout puff piece at this the point, the Ornicle, the Ornicle, Pornstein, um, and yeah. <laughs> he he said that. The money for party was the first time that the Cronkies have put their own money, as in not the self-sustained money from Arsenal, yeah, 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 yeah. into the club. Now, that is a step. That is a really big step. And I think it's mm-hmm. important to remember that. Um, mm-hmm. because no, Absolutely. And we'll see, we'll see yeah. if that is true in January. If we sign somebody in January, then it's 100% true. Because we would be spending kind of net wise especially over and above what we've spent in the last few years so i would be able to agree with that when i when i call these things puff pieces i just want to say like i could be wrong but all i'm saying is is there's currently nothing nothing to prove that what is saying is true and i think that something that's been massively known of ornstein recently is that when kind of the gazidis era moved out he lost a few contacts kind of in the back room of and seemed to lose almost the exclusive nature of his arsenal information and now is is fed things almost by the club 
And again, yeah. this is conjecture because nobody fucking knows. We're all just fans chatting shit into microphones, just listening along. And Can we get a conjecture klaxon? Yeah. Warning. Conjecture ahead. Um, you know, so I could be horrifically wrong. And if I am, thank you, Stan, for putting the money in. But we'll see in January. If we sign somebody in January, yeah. uh, like a Shaboshlight or an Alwa or anyone over and above kind of like the 10 to 12 and a half million pound mark, we know that that's true. And they've put the money in for party. So great. But let's just, I'm just saying, let's just wait and see before we confirm anything without yeah. knowing. Do you get me? No. Uh, yeah, 100%. And you made a really good point on, an, on another podcast recently where you basically were like, fine, but if you don't have any doubts, you're a moron. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's fair that's enough. That's the thing. Um, yeah. So that's absolutely fair enough. Okay. I wanted to uh, just finish with a couple of questions, but I also had um, Let's go. a little thing about Freddie Lundberg. So Freddie Lundberg did an interview with The Athletic during the week. <laughs> oh, God. Smash my microphone. Um, and he basically, he was asked by um, our good friend, the Pornstein, um, whether... Orny Porny. I'm Orny, 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 Orny. <laughs> uh, he was asked by Orny um, whether... Basically, you know, he's obviously been on the inside of Arsenal for a while and what he thought about the club and where, what essentially what's gone wrong. Like, you know, where, where we are right now, what's gone wrong. He spoke to him after the Leeds game. Uh, he said, you know, what do you think has gone wrong? Freddie Lundberg has a very strange style of communication. Um, he's very guarded. I'm not sure whether that's... Um, he's, he's, the way I can describe him is like, have you ever heard Elon Musk be interviewed? Uh, yes. So like, you know how anything he says affects Tesla stock? So he has to, he speaks like this. Um, yeah. The, that might be true. And you're like, okay, this is... This is how how can you have an interview like this? Um, it was a bit like that, but um, anyway, yeah. So he was talking about the Arsenal squad, and he, he's 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 very guarded, but he he does say that he thinks essentially that we have some players who are sort of natural winners on some level, but he thinks we need to foster a winning mentality. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not uh, disagreeing with Freddie. Um, but it's an interesting thing to, to hear from someone on the inside and someone who has been on the inside of Arsenal for quite a while now um, and has only recently come out that he thinks, you know, players like Tierney, players like Aubameyang are winners. Uh, and he says, mm-hmm. he's, but he essentially, he essentially alludes that there's some players who he doesn't think are winners. Um, Xhaka. Yeah. Like I'll I'll call it like there there are there are death you can see it in the way that they react to things, and Tierney. And obviously, you know the moment with Alioski after the Pepe incident in the Leeds game. To give context, the reason that Jacka and Alioski were talking were because they're childhood friends. But Jacka was once the captain of this football club. Jacka plays for this football club. I don't give a shit. I'm a fan of this football club. I don't give a shit if you were mates. The guy went down like he'd been shot after minimal contact. And we saw in the Champions League, you know, you can get a yellow card for that with Fred. Unfortunately, you know, Arsenal tax meant that it was a red. (laughs) But you don't just go over and you don't go over and do that shit. 
And then you don't try and put your arm around him and push Tierney, your teammate, away when he comes yeah. over with an issue. Like, he's the kind of player that has been carried to everything he has ever won. And you can see it in his play style and you can see it. He has no... He, he reminds me of Eden Hazard in a sense. Eden Hazard is a fantastically gifted footballer who does not give sh a shit about football. Apparently he plays without his laces done up in training. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's why he gets fat all the time. Like, he's a fantastically gifted footballer, but just doesn't give a shit enough about football or just doesn't give a shit enough about his career. Like, as in like some players like Aubameyang or... Um, God, I'm trying to think of like the perfect example for Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, the archetypes. The, Ronaldo, Chris, yeah, yeah. Ronaldo is the perfect example for this. The man will sit on the floor and cry after being knocked out of the Champions League, even though he's won it like seven times. And he's 35 and earning a million yeah. pounds a week or whatever. Like that mm. is winner's mentality. And there are just some 100%. people who not only lack that, but are on the opposite end of the spectrum and will have a detrimental effect to other players because of it. It's like when you hang around with negative people, you it's almost like I'm never one of these wanky cunts who's like, oh God, you pick up negative energy. But it's like when you hang around negative people who spout negative shit all day, it changes your worldview to be more negative. Good vibes only. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, for sure. They're, like the, I just think it's interesting to hear a, a, a former caretaker manager um, and a former player at Arsenal and someone who's been close to the Emery era and the Arteta era say that as the first and most important thing. Agreed. Um, and I do think it's a important thing to note and something that we should look at in recruitment going forward because mm -hmm. it's also interesting to note like what people define as a winner because like some people like you know Tierney being a winner and being annoyed at Jacker right. Or, or, you know, how do you d define that? And then does that go too far in someone like Ceballos or fight his own teammates, you know, because he cares about the game? Is that too much Is that too much one way? I think the kind of the, the archetypal winner or like there's someone, you know, and also it's not necessarily always sportingly beneficial. That's definitely not a phrase. Sport-wise um, beneficial to, to, to be someone like a Ronaldo who is a bad loser. And, and unless you're going to work on that, do you know what I mean? So like I feel like someone like Lacazette is a bad loser in the sense that he doesn't lose very well and seems upset when he's lost, mm -hmm. but then he doesn't react. So it doesn't, do you know what I mean? It's like someone like Ronaldo uh, yeah. is a bad loser, but actually sport-wise turns it around and he goes, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up perfect, on this. Perfect example, when they lost, when Juventus lost 2-0 to, um, to uh, Juventus lost 2-0 to Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. There's the famous Diego Simeone celebration where he's like pointing at his dick or whatever. And then he get and then Ronaldo goes and scores a hat trick in the return leg and knocks Madrid out. Hmm. Because and because I think they were chanting about uh, something about I, I can't I can't remember, but that you telling me Bradley Adams doesn't know some niche football knowledge? What's going on? I know. I've, 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 my brain has just blanked on some absolute niche football knowledge. But I think when we're talking about desire, you think of our most successful teams ever, the Burkamps, the Henri's, the Vieiras, the Sol Campbells, the Laymans, the, you know, the Lorenz, the Petits, the Overmars, all of these fantastic players, but always played with the desire to win. It wasn't a question. 
whether Henri was going to score a goal. It was a question what type of goal, because you knew no matter what, he was going to fight to get himself in the position where he'd notch one up. And it was it was the same with that whole team. Perez yeah. is another example of it. Have you, I, th- I think we've discussed this before, but that Michael Jordan documentary. Have you seen Unreal. it? Unreal. Loved it. Yeah, like, and, Loved and I it. think, I think there's a, there's a real difference in kind of the modern era, right? Like, I think people won't accept being bullied, but I think that idea that people um, pick themselves, and I don't know what Michael Jordan did. It sounded from his perspective that he was just hard on his teammates, which I think is fine. Some people said he was a bit of a bully and, you know, it's, it's two sides, two sides to every story, right? But two, three beats in a row is known as the greatest ever basketballer of yeah. all time. And you get the results, right? And and this is the thing is I would never advocate for players to bully each other. <laughs> Imagine fucking bully no, each other to to your score. But I do think a bit more um, collective responsibility and having those characters in in, the, in there who are going to supposedly David Luiz is one of those characters. Be like, um, what the fuck are you doing? And 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 yeah, yeah and call it's each other out. The issue things. is David like, Luiz is a calamitous mess twenty five percent of the time. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, I think looking at our recent kind of recruitment, um, I don't know much about Party and Gabrielle's character, um, but they seem they seem like solid guys and seem like part of the group. But equally, I've seen Gabrielle quite a few times calling out people on the pitch, and I think there's a really healthy balance to be struck between being able to. Ah, oh, it's so difficult, isn't it, to discuss these things because it it gets into a whole conversation around like, well, you know, it's just my personality, blah blah, blah all that sort of stuff, but. It's, I think it's having a personality, a, a, a culture like Jose Mourinho, I think just slips into the wrong thing for me. And that's why his things go toxic. Yeah. He, it's the blame and responsibility thing again. It's, it's, he spends too much time riling his players up. So they get at each other, which gets short term results, but it's about creating a culture of collective responsibility. We win together, we lose together, and we will not accept anything than the best standards from those around us. And I think. A hundred percent. I think Liverpool are the perfect example of that. Yeah. And have, having, in my opinion, you th- Jordan Henderson is the best captain in the Premier League right now. There's a, um, a kind of a compilation of clips from their game against Atalanta where they beat them four 0 maybe, and he is barking orders, but he's also praising players when they're trying things and when they're doing things, and it is that kind of like do or die mentality of we will win together we will lose together but we will never give anything but 100% effort and if Mm. I notice you're giving 80% effort I will shout at you until you give me 100% effort we're gonna we're gonna be friends after because it's not personal but we're here to win football matches and we do that by putting the work in that's why I think Liverpool Liverpool are a team like it's like obviously I I love stats because I think that a lot of the time they're a good um, barometer of of how certain things could turn out in games or how a player is played. But with Liverpool, especially, you think of their midfield, especially Wijnaldum and Henderson, you look at their numbers and neither of them are particularly exceptional, but they offer so much in other almost unmeasurable like barometers of things. Well, it's like... Yeah. It's 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 the it's the thing it's the thing of 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 the, the the league is turning into a series of competition and duels and the the game is getting more and more about who can win your individual battles mm-hmm. and it's it's just interesting to me in terms of where we're looking for improvement that someone like Lundberg has come out and said that's where we need to improve the the mentality the winning mentality and I think that 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 takes that into account and as you're talking about with Liverpool 
it's not always about having the most talented players. It's about having players who are going to fight for every single fucking ball. And I've not seen enough of that. So I think it's it's mm-hmm. good to see that inside the club, they're aware of that as well, even if Lundberg's left. But I'm sure he expressed his opinion at the time. So I'm just hoping that the recruitment reflects that from now on. And yeah. And we can see a change because if you know if that's what he someone with a with a footballing brain and as close to the operation as he mm-hmm. was thinks that's then a, a, an interesting indicator of something we as fans can expect and look out for. Yeah, that's why I don't think Abamyang should be captain anymore. Because I just don't. Yeah. I think he's a winner in the sense that he wants to win trophies, but he's not. He's not like. This is what I mean. Like Salah's not a captain. Mane's not a captain. Firmino's not a captain. Jordan Henderson is a captain. Mm. He's nowhere he near the, the most talented player in in Liverpool. He's probably the seventh most talented player in their team. You think you'd probably if you're talking just purely on qualities, you'd take Salah, Mane, Jota, Firmino, Fabinho, Van Dijk, Trent, and. Robbo. You take the whole team. So they've probably got eight on... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but as in like you would, if you're talking about quality, you of like pure quote-unquote baller, like quote-unquote playing football, kicking a football. But he just offers you so much in that leadership category that he... He is all he there is a reason um, and I don't know the specific percentages, but there is a reason that they barely lose when he plays. And when he doesn't play, their win percentage drops from like in the 90s to in the 60s because he is almost the linchpin of that team without being the the most vital productivity wise. For sure. Which I think is is almost this weird and fantastic dynamic. Yeah, and for sure. And we forget that. Ultimately, this game is about a load of people, 11 v 11, going up against each mm-hmm. other. And having someone who can set the tone and marshal that is, is, is crucial. Um, yeah, next captain is a, is a, is a, big, a big one. Okay, uh, we've had a question from Piers Bate, who is at Piers Bate. Hi, Piers. Where do you Hello, see Piers. AMN's future position? He's not currently second choice uh, right back or left back. If he does play right centre mid, his experience at right back becomes invaluable with an attacking fullback system. No. Or do you think he should be sold in January if we are in the market for an 8-10? Good question, Piers. Good question. Um... Good question, Masturbate. (laughs) I bet he's had that joke his entire life. Um, Do you want to take the lead on this one, mate? Yes, I will, bro. Thank you. Um, <laughs> God, if only you'd let me speak. God. Oh. Um, <laughs> um. Yeah. I okay. I think. I think this question has actually been a long time coming. Maitland Niles is a really tricky one because he looked as though he was going to be someone who became a linchpin of this setup that we were doing. The setup changed. And with it, I think his position as the sort of left or right side of the four in the middle went. Um, In terms of the actual question, where do I see his future position? I think at the moment he can offer us a lot in the midfield. He offers us some more athleticism. He offers us some more um, dynamism, range of passing. Uh, I think he just offers a different dynamic than a Ceballos and a Xhaka. Um, Xhaka does a different job but I, I, I'd i be interested in seeing him paired with let's say Party, mm. um, just to see you know with someone who is a bit more a um, bit more conservative a bit more able to hoover up passes and interceptions mm-hmm. 
to give Maitland-Niles a, a bit more freedom because I think Maitland-Niles is fantastic technically and he's really agile and maybe to kind of fix our midfield um, structure problems in the sense that we're so horizontal Mm-hmm. Someone who can get a, a bit more up and down the pitch a bit more, who is a bit more able to ride tackles and is a, is a bit more able to, um, maybe less able to to pick a pass and isn't quite as technical as as Ceballos, mm-hmm. but someone who's just a bit more of an engine in there, yep. um, arriving in the box. Not that he particularly does that, but I imagine he might he might become that sort of player. Yeah, I, I, I'm really interested. I mean, overall, I think Maitland-Niles is a fantastic player to keep around. And I hope we keep him for years, but it's always been the problem is he's too... He is too um, versatile. So it's really tricky to actually answer the question, but that's where I see his future position. In terms of should he be sold in January? No. Um, and not. And I don't think it's linked to whether we get an eight or 10. Um, but long-term, if I was Ainsley, I would be looking to go, okay, if I don't nail down a starting position, because I think he could nail down a right-back slot or a, or a central, central midfield slot at a club like a, I don't know, like a, like a Wolves or a Leicester or, so, or someone like that. I think he could really do well. And I think in a couple of years, he's very calm. He's very, I mean, we see it with his penalty technique. He's very calm. He's very professional. He's uh, he he's really tactically adept and aware of what's going on, mm-hmm. which is why I think he has the discipline to play central midfield. I just think he's too useful. And it's why I think we should keep hold of him. I just think he's too useful. I think that's it's so and important. That will be his downfall. No, I would agree with you. I think that I think that he's not he's good at right back, but he, I don't think it's ever going to be almost his specialized position. Hmm. So I think for his sake he needs to start nailing down a position in that central midfield and for me I think I'd love to see a system instead I'd uh, instead of a diamond almost that way Alex with like two central midfielders in a cam. I'd love to see a DM, two central midfielders, but just one playing more advanced. Brad's doing gang signs I think It's the Illuminati. I am. What, what? Um, that was the least gangster thing ever. <laughs> Bradley Adams in I know, his, his mum's house going, what, not, what? Yeah. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> Middle class white men alert. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him partnered alongside somebody in that 8-10 role. So with an hour with a Shaboshlai, who's going to... Because I think that maybe he's going to be more of a box-to-box going forward yeah. because he does offer, like you say, so much athleticism from his experience playing at right wing back and left wing back. He's, you know, decent in the tackle, but can also whip a ball in. So I think he's a kind of player that moving forward, especially with this kind of squad refresh, we need to keep a hold of. Um, but if if anything, I'd be more inclined to play him at right back than Hector Bellerin right now, um, purely because I don't think Bellerin is offering as much at the moment. And I don't know whether he would offer us slightly more being a bit more athletic, in my opinion. But I think, yeah, I think he's going to end up being more of a central midfielder. And it will just be a question of how many we end up bringing in as to whether he moves out or not. Because it will be a question of him for his career. He'll want to leave and well, move Veng- on. Wenger saw him as a central midfielder. I, I think, it, you know, again, it's how how do we answer a question that no, not Wenger, nor Emery, nor Lundberg, nor Arteta have, 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 actually, have actually fixed. He's too useful. Um, and I don't think he, he's like, oh my God, we have to play this guy in centre mid. 
I don't think he's, oh my God, we have to play this guy at right back. Mm-hmm. He's just very good wherever he plays um, because because of, of, of his, his footballing, uh, football upbringing. I think he's got a really intelligent uh, football IQ. Um, yeah, I, just, I think he's a fantastic player. I just, if I was him, I'd move on. And if I was Arsenal, I'd try to keep him and get him on a, another three-year deal because I think he's invaluable. But we'll mm-hmm. see how that plays out. Won't we? That was, we really, that was really sinister. I was like, we'll see how that plays out. Won't we? Oh, we fucking. Uh, all right, Brad. All right, mate. Yep. <laughs> uh, I was tra- I was doing this sort of good vibes. You know when you know when British people do this. Right. That was the equivalent of <laughs> me doing yeah. that at the end of a podcast. Okay, Brad, how's the new oh, mic? I, do you know what? I'm. It's great. I'm just a bit scared of it at the moment because I've got, obviously I've not got a pop shield it's on. I'm gonna bite um, you. Don't worry. So I've spent, I've spent most of this podcast like staring at my like EQ. <laughs> is it EQ? Am I, is that the right? I thing, don't fucking know. I, Levels. I just press moron. buttons. Levels. Um, to make sure I'm not peaking and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think. It, it, do you know what? It's a fucking fantastic piece of kit. Um, it's got. Lo- I'm very, very lucky. Uh, it's got loads of different like. Looks quite a different setting. Looks oh, so <laughs> go and read them out. <laughs> you may, the box right maybe here. we could sponsor that. What is it? Blue Yeti. Should we get sponsored by him? Yeah, it's a it's a blue Yeti blackout. Yeah, if you'd like to send us another one and sponsor the podcast, that would be great. Yeah, it it, um, it looks. We will upgrade Alex's microphone. Looks quite. I, I, Not that it needs don't... upgrading. You've you've always sanded better. Oh, than me. thanks, Brad. Um, the it does look quite phallic from where I'm sat because I've got like a slight down angle of your face and then a big oh, black yeah 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 um, <laughs> microphone sheen there. Um, yes, just sticking up, just sticking up to attention. Well, uh, listen. We, we let's stop talking about microphones and penises. You're just staring at the details of your mic. <laughs> wow, that, three settings. Wow, that's very good. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Brad. There we go. All right, mate. It's time there we to go. go. <laughs> I'm not going to make the joke. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Absolute pleasure to listening to me and Brad. Yeah, just thanks, guys. Chat shite about football. Uh, and we will see you. We love it. On the next one. Peace. Bye, Brad. Bye, Alex. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you're new to the pod and did enjoy that, there's a new podcast after every game. Please hit the subscribe button. Also, check us out on Twitter at DiffKnock and support us on patreon.com forward slash DiffKnock. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.